world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Every 11 seconds, another older adult will be rushed to a U.S. emergency room as a result of a fall. And by the time our show is over, two of those people will die as a result of their injuries. This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Dr. Robert Wood, falls prevention expert and director of the School of Allied Health Sciences at Boys State University, is here to share his research and findings and tell us what we can do to keep our aging parents safer. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard To Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard To Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Barardi. Dr. Robert Wood is the director for the School for Allied Health Sciences at Boise State University. He earned his Ph.D. in kinesiology at LSU. Dr. Wood's research has largely focused on aging of the autonomic nervous system and prevention of falls in older adults. His work has been funded through the National Institutes of Health and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And as one of the top experts in fall prevention, we're so glad he made time for us on Parents Are Hard to Raise. Bob, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. The pleasure is mine. And I got kinesiology pronounced properly and autonomic. Which they, they were taking down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think go out and buy a lottery ticket. So you did quite well. Thank you. <laughs> So the the statistics Dolly was quoting a little while ago are are unbelievable. It's staggering. A simple thing like tripping on a rug or missing a step can change our parents' life. Yes, that that's right. Um, it's in fact when when we go out into the community for people over the age of sixty five, it's it's one in three adults will fall each year. And, you know, so we have this, you know, little thing we say where take a look to your left, take a look at, to your right, one of you will fall. Now, don't push the other person over in <laughs> hopes that it won't be you. But at 85, it goes to one and two. So we see there's a real dramatic shift in uh, what we call motor control or our ability to coordinate our movement yeah. that happens around age 80. And by the time folks are 85, the risk of falls is just, it just goes up uh, really precipitously that, um, uh, you know, folks who may have otherwise even been pretty functional and, yeah. and able to go out and play golf and all these things at age 80, they may suddenly find uh, that they're having difficulty with balance. I guess there's so many reasons why. Yes. So some of the, probably some of the um, chief reasons. Yeah. 
that are age-related would be things like um, uh, musculoskeletal, uh, what we call muscle wasting, or what you might hear the term sarcopenia, but it's a loss of muscle mass. Okay. So there's a loss of strength. That's one one feature. Um, for example, it takes when you're 20 years old, 25 years old, the likelihood is that you can stand up out of a chair using just one leg. But by the time you get to that point where it's hard to stand up out of the chair, that suggests you've lost more than half of your leg strength. And wow. a lot of that is attributable to lack of inact or lack of activity yeah. uh, rather than age itself. But I think most of the research shows that, you know, the about half of the age-related loss in strength is attributed to inactivity, but there is some that is absolutely attributable to age. Then also, um, multiple systems are declining with age, like our inner ears. Okay. They start to um, change physiologically at about age 40. We start to lose these things called hair cells, and that those are very important in our balance. Um, and then vision also begins to decline, yeah. um, neurologic control of our skeletal muscle. We begin to see some deterioration in function and fine motor skills to fine adjustments. So if you know people that have trouble buttoning a shirt, yeah. my guess is they also have trouble with balance. Huh. And, you know, so those are some chief things. But And those are hard to do a whole lot about. I think yeah. staying active is important. But other things are like making sure your home is safe. A lot of falls happen because, as you mentioned, people trip over a rug. Right. Some falls occur because of uh, uh, what we call, uh, well, side effects due to medicines. Right. Okay. Um, and sometimes that can be prevented if people uh, make sure they tell their pharmacists and their physicians if they're having any kind of side effects. That's very, very important. Vision care is really important. Uh, what we've seen in our research is that people who are maybe lower socioeconomic status, yeah. they have more vision-related issues, and people who are higher economic status have more home hazards. Huh. So, you know, you might want to kind of, if you know, if I'm thinking about what might I be at risk for, you know, that kind of information may be helpful. Um, you know, for individuals, if you're, if you hear an optometrist say, I think you can go another year with those lenses, that's right. probably code for you need new lenses, right? Right. So, and it's kind of tuning into those things um, may help people to address some of their risk factors. And there are other risk factors as well. Um, those are probably the primary ones, but things that you would normally associate like, well, hearing, hearing deficits. Right. Um, also, um, certain medications are, are more uh, troublesome than others. If you take stuff to help you sleep or for anxiety and that kind of stuff, they're pretty high up there in terms of their risk of falls. So there are a number of things. Some are modifiable uh, and some are not. I know also we were mentioning getting up out of a chair. Um, mm -hmm. I watch my dad. He just tries to get up so fast, you know, and then he kind of teeters mm -hmm. back, yes. you know. Yes, this is common. Um, there are folks who, if they stand up too quickly, 
um, they their blood uh, kind of shifts from their upper body down to their legs. Yeah. And um, they get a lack of blood flow to the brain, and it causes them to be dizzy uh, and fall. This is not uncommon at all. Uh, my father has this, so he has, um, you know, it took a while to convince him uh, that he should use a walker, but he kept falling early in the morning when he'd first get up. Ah, okay. So we negotiated with him that, you know, just use it when you first get up during the day because, you know, he didn't want to have to use a walker if he didn't need one, And but he knew he needed one early right. on in the, in the day when he first got up. So we were able to negotiate that with him, and he's, you know, he told me, hey, I was against it at first, but, you know, he says it's just really helped. I've, you know, I've, you know, those are the times I've fallen. And because I now do this, I'm not falling, you know. And so, um, you know, there are some things uh, like that. Also, if people are incontinent. Yeah. That's a trigger that people get up quickly You're right. to try and run to the bathroom. Right. And so that's why incontinence is a risk factor for falls. So it's really important that people make sure they take their time when they go from either a lying to a standing or sitting to a standing position to make sure that, you know, they're they're getting proper blood flow circulation to the brain and that they won't lose their balance. And falls in the bathroom are a big thing. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it's important to have grab bars um, in your tub shower by your toilet, um, you know, uh, I think that um, if you're in a if you live in an area that has AmeriCorps or maybe um, a Lowe's program, okay. uh, they may have one. I don't know. I know they have some community outreach stuff that they do uh, where you can get things installed relatively inexpensively. Maybe just the cost of the of the grab bars. Um, I think those are you know those are options that people should look into. If, yeah. if a, you know if it's hard to afford that. Because everyone knows, you know, home renovations are not cheap. Right. So one of the things we try and do is identify how people can get these done pretty inexpensively. But, you know, the thing, the problem is people wait till they fall to have them installed. Right. I've heard it a million times. You know, well, I fell and, you know, got thank goodness I didn't get hurt too bad, so I had stuff installed. Well, you know, thank in your case, thank goodness, right. but a lot of people have that mindset as they, they wait till they have the problem before they put in the preventive measure. And that's just something we're constantly working with people about. You know, I'll tell you one of the things that, that we learned in our research that I don't necessarily think is intuitive to the family of the person uh, who may fall. And this is something they told us, and we've heard this more than once, in some of the qualitative work is that if somebody falls, they want, they don't want to be helped. They oftentimes don't want to be helped up right away. They don't want people to come necessarily to their rescue immediately. Maybe they're not ready to get up, even if they're not injured badly. Right. uh, They may just want to take their time. They may need to get themselves oriented. They may not even realize exactly what has happened and where they are. Right. And so they need time and need to maybe communicate with them a little bit about what has happened, where they are, you know, what's going on. Let them take their time. 
So in that acute setting where somebody does fall, right. I think how we approach how we approach those situations is just you know it's it's equally important to the steps we take to try and uh, prevent falls. And we're going to continue talking with Dr. Robert Wood. But if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard To Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. Bob, you know, falls obviously with an injury carry a heavy quality of life impact, but sometimes falls without an injury make people fearful of 
falling. And as a result, then they limit their activities. Yeah, that's right. You know, fear of falling is a pretty complicated milieu of of things that are going on. Um, So in in the literature, they're trying to break it out into balanced confidence versus fear of falling. Because balanced confidence speaks more to the extent to which somebody believes they can execute activities of daily living uh, without losing their balance or falling. But fear of falling encompasses a whole lot more. Um, And part of that is related to the person's perceptions of how their life will be impacted if they fall. For example... I'm not going to tell my kids I fell because then they'll take away my keys or they'll make me get a walker or my life will in some way, they won't let me live independently anymore. You know, and so fear of falling is also involves the fear of the consequences of falling. Could also be, I don't want to be dependent on other people, either financially or physically for their care. I'm afraid of that. That's, you know, something I just, so there's a whole lot of things going on that can also contribute to somebody reducing their activity level. And you're right. That then makes them at greater risk for falls. So they read, you know, so they're more fearful, so they do even less and you get into this cycle. And it's really important that people have um, kind of safe and effective activities that they're confident that they can engage in that will kind of stress them at just the right level to where they can, you know, maintain optimal function. And, and there are some like great programs out there. I really love what people are doing with Tai Chi. Okay. I've had, I've gotten some certifications in the Tai Chi moving for better balance. I think that's a fantastic program comes out of the university of Oregon uh, with Dr. Fu Zhang Lee. And then I really like the Tai Chi for people with arthritis that comes out of um, somewhere in Arizona, I can't, Tucson or Phoenix, uh, with Dr. David Lamb. Uh, and uh, I really like both of those programs. I've, I've gotten certifications in those, and we have implemented those in communities. Um, and we've done that in a variety of ways through sustainable programs at no cost to the seniors. Oh, that's and great. they just love it. They and we have seen people just blossom in those programs. People who are not participating in life, oh. they were socially isolated. You know, yeah. they were deteriorating, and as a result of these programs, they have grown in confidence. They have grown in their social interaction and the relationships. They've resumed other activities like church and those kinds of things. And so I think this is really critical and that we need to find ways to be able to make those accessible to more and more people. And people have a chance, they should enroll in these. They should give it a go because I think they'll really find it to be enjoyable. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, it brings new life to the person. Uh, uh, We've seen it. You know, so great, you know, great story, man, uh, in one program. Uh, really struggling with uh, Parkinsonism. Yeah. And, you know, when he first came in, uh, you know, when I was working with students, I was training students, and, um, 
you know, if you know anything about the disease, you know what can happen with the mask face. And he looked so angry, right? Because yeah. that's how that, that happens. And, and he took some students aside and told them, you know, how his presentation was so painful for him because no one would help him in stores. His grandchildren wouldn't come sit Aww. on his lap. Just, I know. <laughs> and so, but the students began to see, you know, kind of the struggle, but he did not want to be treated as if there was something wrong with him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's this kind of struggle that's going on. So that relationship was just huge in that setting, the relationship he had with the other patients and the students and how much they grew uh, just to love and respect each other. And physically, he got to doing much better. And ultimately, he wrote a play really? about Parkinsonism, and he didn't want it to be about the struggle. He wanted it to be about how awesome people are that have Parkinsonism. And we got dancers to participate. It was just oh, it's fabulous. Great. And it was really, so it's, it's not just about the physical side of it. It's the whole emotional, social, yeah. you know, that we need these spaces where people can engage in activities that are healthy physically and emotionally. Yeah, you're, def- you're, you're right about that. Yeah. Now, how would people find programs for their parents in their communities or? Yeah. So, you know, um, right now in the States, of course, I'm speaking about in the States, the, um, you know, that each of the States uh, generally have some money that comes through their injury prevention division of the State Department of Health uh, that is then in some ways making its way down to either county or municipal levels. And so if people have, you know, access to Internet, then they would certainly be able to uh, find where those programs might exist and whether there's transportation. Sometimes they deliver these at, like, congregate food sites, okay, um, which are kind of a nice feature. But if they don't have Internet, then I would say call the county Department of Health, that generally, you know, the money flows from the state to the county uh, for to support these programs, and, and they might know. Another, if you live in a, a city that has um, academic institutions, yeah, you know, they might have programs apart from uh, the sort of the, you know, community-based programs. Uh, and you might, you know, you might also uh, contact, like, you know, YMCAs and those types of places that are known to have sort of a community outreach side. Um, they're likely to do these kinds of things. Um, so Internet would be my, I'd look around, I think you'll find something. But if not, I would call county, universities, YMCAs. You know, I think it would be great if, like I'm thinking, I'd love to take a Tai Chi class with my dad. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> because, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, well, right? It's a great thing about, I need to sell Tai Chi a little bit here because, you know, it, it sounds kind of like to some people who aren't familiar with it, like right. a little bit kind of mystical and this kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. Tai Chi, it 
it has everything that people are looking for in physical activity because you can do it at home. You do not get sweaty and have to take a shower afterwards. You can do it in small increments. And, you know, and, and it's enjoyable. It doesn't, it's not, it's so exertional right. that you feel you're, you're stressing yourself out. And there are very few people for whom it is contraindicated or very few people who can't do it. Okay. And um, the programs like the Tai Chi Moving for Better Balance, they're really good at adaptations for people that have functional limitations. A lot of older adults, they've got bad shoulders. Right. Or it's hard for them to get up out of a chair or these kinds of things that we talked about. And this program really is designed for those people. That's who this is for. And quite honestly, the person that has the most to gain from a single exercise session is the person who has not been exercising. The people that say, oh, it's too late for me. It's too late. I just couldn't do it. It's too late. No, they have more to gain from that single exercise session that day than somebody who's already been doing it, you know, for years and years and years. So I think, you know, if people gave it a try, I think they would actually find it to be pretty cool. The thing that a lot of people will feel at first is that, well, you know, it's a, it's, you know, I don't know if I have that move down, that particular way of moving. I don't think I have it perfect. You don't have to, to get the benefit. Now, if you want to be a master Tai Chi teacher, yeah, you've got to be perfect at right. it. But that's not the goal here. The goal is to be utilizing your body in certain ways to maintain, you know, postural stability and balance and all those things. And so this is just, you know, Tai Chi is just awesome. I am a believer. That's great. So how, how can people find out about your research, contact you? Well, my email is pretty easy. It's Wood at boisestate.edu. So that's probably the easiest way to get me. Um, You know, I'm more directing programs right now. I'm not as quite involved in the actual delivery of the research-based programs, but we have some, and we have a center for the study of aging here. And so we want to develop programs for older adults, and we're implementing some and want to do some more. Uh, so I hope to keep my hand in the research, uh, but I certainly am going to be keeping my hand on what's going on in the community and trying to contribute in, in these kinds of ways. Thank you so much, Dr. Robert Wood, for being here. What a great You're show and great information. Well, it's my pleasure, and I hope that we can talk again soon. Oh, we look forward to it, definitely. Parents are hard to raise, family. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We love our parents. But parents truly are hard to raise. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.